to the No Notes podcast. I'm JD. And I'm Morgan. And today we have a very special episode. It is our first ever first annual question mark (laughs) movie swap. So today Morgan and I have each picked out a movie that we want the other person to watch. The movie I have selected for Morgan to watch is 1976's Network. And And the movie that I have chosen is Your Name. If you've been with us for a while, you might remember that both of these are on our personal top five favorite movies list. That was our first ever episode we did. We talked about our top five favorite movies. And now we've both finally come around to watching each other's movies. (laughs) So Morgan, why did you want me to watch Your Name? I wanted you to watch Your Name because you, I'm not going to say you don't like anime, but you have not been introduced to the world of anime. Okay. And Your Name is the peak gateway anime to watch. And it's one of my favorites. And I feel like you're really into action movies. And this one's very romantic, but it had some things that you like. I know you like nonlinear storytelling and... So it had like the perfect amount of, I think he'll like it, but it's also everything that is not his usual thing that I love. So a good mixture. That's true. Yeah. Aesthetically, um, it's just not something I've ever really been drawn to. I've seen, I can count on one hand the amount of like anime things I've ever watched. Uh, it's just never super appealed to me, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a good choice. Uh, and I wanted you to watch Network, mostly just because I think that Network is one of the best scripts for any movie i've ever seen um i think it's like so solid but it's also it kind of tries your patience a little bit and so i felt like it it had the potential to frustrate you but i thought like (laughs) but i was like but by the end i think you will appreciate what it had been building towards yeah and i wanted to see if i was right um <laughs> pretty spot on okay great <laughs> we'll get into um, it. i know like, when i saw your text i was like <sighs> um because like i it's it's so smart it's so creative and clever but it doesn't really come into focus until t- right at the end yeah and so um anyways yeah we'll talk uh, pretty in depth about both of them but um both these movies we love and both of these movies we're going to be diving into pretty heavily spoiler-wise. Uh, I don't know if either of these movies are crazy popular. So if you yeah. happen to have seen them, then please continue listening. If you happen to have not seen them, then feel free to continue listening as well. Um, and if you have seen one of these movies and love them, then great. Um, so I'm going to now flip a coin Ooh. and I'm going to have you call it. All right. If, it la- if whatever... If you win, we'll talk about your name first. If I win, we'll talk about network first. Okay. So go ahead and call it. Heads. Not very good at that. <laughs> it is tails. Tails. So network. Network is first. Oh, baby. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You, yeah. You go so, with and why you love first it. First on the agenda, network. Uh, the first time I saw network, it was right around the time I was really getting into movies. Um, and I had heard about it, but I didn't really know anything about it. Uh, but it, so just to give a brief plot summary, it's mm-hmm. about television executives in 1970s America <laughs> who are dealing with struggling ratings. They are not very successful and they have a news anchor who they want to fire when they tell the news anchor that his days are up on his nightly news show he publicly threatens to commit suicide, which leads to an increase in ratings. Mm-hmm. And as this man, Howard Beale, is kind of getting worse and worse mentally, he is getting more and more successful financially. Mm-hmm. And it's about the network executives who exploit his situation. And it's about money and greed and power and corruption. And it all takes place in the backdrop of a television studio. And it's everything that I love um, because I love television. I love the inner workings of like movie industry movies. And I think the way it explores its themes is really spot on. It's also probably the most prescient movie I've ever seen because it was written and released in 1976. And it predicted the future of politics and culture in America so spot on. Like watching it for the first time in maybe like 20... 17 or 18 i was like this is now 
Yeah. It? And again, <laughs> it feels and it feels even it feels just as prescient today. It's like how did they predict this? It's like one of the most predictive uh, films I've ever seen. So that's why I love Network. What did you think, Morgan? All right. So first thoughts, um, and I kind of regret doing this. Kind of don't. I didn't have time to just like watch it all in one run. So I watched it on my lunch breaks at work. So I watched um, like three quarters of the movie and then I stopped. And at that point I was like, oh no, I have to tell JD this movie is bad <laughs> on a podcast. This is not going to be good. And I hated it at this point. I was like, this movie is overbearing. The story is lousy. There's all these subplots that don't matter. The monologues are so obvious. It's so blatantly obvious. It's painful to watch. It's repetitive. Like I had so many issues with it. And I like was like, okay, I have to finish it. Let's go in. And then I sit down and I watch the last 35, maybe 40 minutes of it. And like every single one of my, I was like, oh no, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like completely flipped all of the ideas I had and I was not expecting it. And I don't know if me watching it in those exact two parts on accident made it better or worse, but I was um, very surprised by the end. I still have a lot of things I didn't love about it, but overall I did very much enjoy it. Um, And I think I, I went into it probably with a bad attitude because I never watched movies before 1995. Really? I do not like old movies. I yeah. am I am the Gen Z generation. I get so bored. I think they're slow. Even like Star Wars is slow to me. I'm like, That's how do people watch movies this? from? Yeah. Anything from like before like 94, I think 94 is like yeah. the year of Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. and Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Like that was like the watershed year in terms of like really the change in how movies were edited and shot mm-hmm. um or the year that like it all really came into like full fruition i think like yeah, there was yeah. there were traces of that well before yeah. but so it is like the way that it's shot the way it's edited is mm-hmm. very of its time yes. and very different it definitely drove me a little crazy yeah in some parts but you have to pay <laughs> attention to when you watch older movies which is something like i barely watch movies from yeah before the 90s mm-hmm. i was looking back at my letterbox and before i watched network the oldest movie i had watched so far this year was from 1995 yeah. um so i was <laughs> yeah so it definitely is of its time in that way but i think despite that the story and the characters are really engaging enough that they keep my attention um most of the time let's talk about let's let's break down some of the story and like maybe some of the way that it's written okay what what did you think about the story as as a whole um just in like concept amazing yeah i think what threw me off I am so bad about going into movies with expectations. My expectation was Howard Beale was like the main character. Mm, which, yeah, the main character is really Diana. Yes. I, or maybe Max. Yeah. And who so are the, who are the executives from the network? Diana is like the new head of programming and Max is the head of the news division. Who's yes. kind of being pushed out by the senior executives like yeah. Diana. So, and then they also have an illicit relationship in the movie. Yes. I really liked howard beale's character in the beginning and it like 15 minutes past to the whole he goes on live tv and says i'm gonna kill myself a week from today like shocking amazing i really really liked it i was i was into it at that point and i think what i was expecting is they were gonna go into like howard beale getting the better ratings for doing that was going to be purposely acting crazy Mm. to continue getting views yeah and then it completely flipped what i expected and it is about the executives and he is genuinely he's like lost suffered a mental breakdown yes like there's that scene where um he's like alone in his room and he's like like god are you there yeah uh he's like man has genuinely suffered a mental breakdown yeah and i think what like made me think it was going to be that is because you know like social media it's all about you wanting to be famous for yourself and i thought he was going to be the one like obsessed with because from the moment the movie starts it is very obvious 
beyond obvious. They say it over a hundred times. Like this movie is about TV bad. Um, learn your own things. Is it is uh, it TV bad or is it? Well, I don't even know. It's a lot of things, but um, I was thinking it was. I don't know. I was thinking he was gonna be the one wanting the views, pretending to be crazy, and then I think what ultimately ends up happening is it's more about just money and success yeah and less about how it is affecting society the amount that people can watch and yeah i think you're right um because you know howard beale gets gets crazier and crazier right Mm -hmm. and and nobody cares the only person who really cares about him is max and he gets punished for caring about howard beale as a person Mm -hmm. because diana and the bald executive i don't remember his name uh yeah but Baldy, <laughs> it was Robert Duvall was the actor. And he was, in my opinion, the only bad performance in that movie. Everyone else is stellar. Um, but like, they are both so callous and selfish that yeah. like, they want to continue programming him because it's cra- the crazier he gets, the more people are wanting to watch him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was one of the things that the movie Nope hits on this really well. Like we are so drawn to tragedy. And in the age of social media, when, you know, tragic viral videos are everywhere howard beals like this is like this is live television the men going crazy on live television in an era when we did not have access to crazy in this way Mm -hmm. and then diana her goal is to make the network more viable ratings wise and so she starts to hire like black panthers to program tv shows and (laughs) this is like 1976 like she's countercultural, very overtly politically programming Mm -hmm you know without like really a care for political implications she wants money that is her whole goal and she's willing to well it's not even money she just wants to be successful yeah she's just like a sociopathic workaholic like she only cares about this she doesn't care about making money she doesn't care about like the quality of anything she just wants to be really she she gives that monologue to max about how her husband like left her for for a man and all that stuff and you know she's like she's like i'm not good at anything but i'm good at this i'm good Mm -hmm. at programming television (laughs) and i'm like she's chasing the high um of of this and like and finding success at first before inevitably falling down as is you know Mm -hmm. the way of the the entertainment industry um i think that her character she really is kind of the lead of the movie um her max howard beale all like share the center stage yeah uh but each of them and the way that they're impacted by the success that the show achieves i think is really interesting because max like gets fired you know early on in the movie for sticking up for howard as a person he suffers the consequences of trying to help his friend and, and per, like preserve his humanity. Mm-hmm. But then Max also abandons his wife and daughter to yeah. begin a relationship with Diana because mm-hmm. he just, cause he like, cause he feels bored. He feels like, well, without my job, there's something else I can do. So like, yeah. why not? Um, and their dynamic ends up being really interesting as it kind of goes into the ideas of, of greed in the movie, because mm-hmm. Diana and Baldy, as much as they're chasing success, like, they're also trying to beat everybody else and they're trying to like, uh, you know, garner this acclaim for themselves with no care for the consumers, no care for Howard as a person. Their only concern is the shareholders. Yes. Uh, and even in Diana and Max's personal relationship, there's really like no care for each other there, yeah. at least on Diana's end. Yeah. It's just like a means to an end, you know? Mm-hmm. I think character wise, um you don't really like anybody you're kind of cheering for howard beale in a way but not really um but i love uh what was her name diana diana yeah i love diana's character she oh my gosh is insane yeah and i think all of them in like the perfect time came to like their full crazy and it built up so well, especially yeah. Diana's character. Because in the beginning, you're like, oh, like she's just a businesswoman, you know, gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss. She's here <laughs> yeah. to be successful. And like, you know, maybe she like doesn't care so much about the stuff, but like you were kind of, you were like, you know, she's kind of cool, whatever. Um, and then it like just really quickly turns to like insanity and 
her i loved 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 all of the uh monologues about i saw a little off topic i saw a um review on letterboxd of this movie and someone said that this movie feels like they wrote a bunch of monologues and then stitched them together with a story <laughs> instead of writing a story and putting together the monologues and it absolutely feels like that but i think it, it works in in most of the ways yeah um some of the monologues are so overbearing and they're so like we get it you own a thesaurus like the biggest where i have no idea what they're saying sometimes <laughs> but in the end when she um the whole she is comparing her affair with max to a story like she's mm -hmm. telling a story he yep. does it she does it they do it multiple times throughout the movie of like oh the affair and the uh middle-aged man who da, 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 and they like write this little plot that you would hear yeah. like on a little description of a movie and i think like her comparing her real life to a story that she is making up is just like the perfect little character thing they threw in there i every time they said that it was beautiful it yeah. nailed every single time like she cannot view the world apart from like some pre-written story structure yeah. uh because yeah like that's, that's how she's been trained that's how and she then thinks max at the end there has so spoilers uh <laughs> at the end when they're doing their breakup scene which was amazing it was so long but i was so, so hooked good it was so good just great acting yes. can really draw you in and whenever he at the end right before he walks out the door he flips that same like storyline on her and he's like oh it's a great ending to the story uh, he gets back with his wife. I and, was and, like, and, oh, and man. He, he foreshadowed that earlier in the yes. movie. Like when they, when the first time Max and Diana broke up, like they like laid out like, yeah, like, you know, a man always like has a bit, like, he gets fired from his job and he leaves his mm -hmm. wife for all the world. But he always goes back to his wife in the end. I think yes. Diana says that to him, yeah. right? Uh -huh. And then Diana's like, you know, and it's exactly what happens because yeah. it's like, it's because what makes a good story. And that's the only way Diana can process the world. Like, it's almost like she knew everything that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and Max probably did too. He's like, I'm going to go back to my wife. I'll see if she'll take me back. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because that's what, because that's what I'm supposed to do. In yeah. Some even way. when the wife was asking him about it, like, do you love her? And he was like, I don't remember what he said, but it was so much like, it felt like they were not in control of what they were doing yeah. because they were separating themselves from it. And I, it was paralleling with the whole other story of the TV network so well. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it's like, there is no such thing as independent thought is yes. always like what the movie's positing. Yeah. And I think that one of the best scenes that describes this is when Howard Beale, who is positioned by the network as a man who is like a free thinker. And that's why he's so successful. Uh, when, the company when the network is bought out by the other large company mm -hmm. and the large company then howard goes on his show and like gives like this whole speech against corporate america basically and how yes. you know major companies buying out other companies is a bad thing and how it's gonna like get rid of independent thought because you know television networks aren't going to be allowed to promote independent ideas anymore because they're all going to be owned by corporate overlords mm -hmm. which like is that not what is happening yeah. now like at&t <laughs> buying up warner bros and then selling it to like discovery it's like you know every television network is owned by some major corporation that has mm -hmm. ties 30 rock parodies this so well with like nbc being owned by ge and there's a ton of ge product placement that's like like tongue-in-cheek making fun yeah. of ge <laughs> and then the ceo in like his is like one scene gives this really like boisterous oh, monologue where yeah. he like de like you know um demeans howard and is like talks about how good it is that corporations are actually taking over television networks yeah. and corporations he are says, telling americans what to think and he says there is no russia there is no company there is no insert something here there is only money and it and then like the whole movie just like 360 flips around because i like yeah that scene where the the chairman of the major corp of corporate america you know is like forcing howard into accepting the interrelatedness and interconnectedness of the economy it's like yeah saudi arabia is going to be controlling you know this network with a controlling share and then like they're like there is only money yes <laughs> you can't like appeal to things because because we own you, yeah. you know? Um, and then that 
and he like forces Howard to start preaching his, you know, corporate nonsense, his corporate BS. Mm -hmm. And then Howard's audience turns against him because he's become a corporate puppet. Yeah. And then because Howard's become a corporate puppet and his audience turns against him, his ratings go down. And then the people who run the network are like, well, we can't have him on the air anymore. He's like losing us money. So Mm -hmm. what do they do in the end? They kill Howard. They assassinate him live on air because he was promoting corporate messages and nobody wanted to watch that it's like oh i was so happy with the ending i was watching it and i was like this movie's old i don't think they're gonna do it i don't think they're gonna do the risky thing and i was like he's either going to end up actually killing himself on air or someone's gonna end up murdering him and i was like i don't think they're gonna do it and then when they did i was like they did it so good (laughs) and like the scene where like diana and the bald guy are, are like Hackett is his name. I looked it up. Oh, yes. Um, where Diana and Hackett are, and like the other executives are planning how they're gonna like they're so callous, they're so oh, like so... removed from the situation, and they're like, Yes, like we're gonna kill him, right? Like they'll just agree in like the most like mild-mannered way. Yes. And like, yeah, and killing him would really make it would make a great lead-in for the new show that we want to promote. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can't get this imagery out of their heads. It's genius screenwriting. Yes. So I think I'm a sucker for parallels. Like, so the relationship, which I thought was like just this boring subplot that like didn't mean anything that ended up being amazing is like paralleling with what's happening with the network. And then on top of that, I, the one thing I noticed was that scene when they're just, I guess we're going to kill Howard. And they're like, yeah, I guess so. And like, whatever, they just like, don't, it's so nonchalant. I think in the very beginning, there's a scene of all of the TV executive people in a meeting and they're sitting in the exact same way and the camera move and where they're sitting is the exact same in these three scenes. And the first one is all the business people talking business and they just throw out a bunch of business words and it's whatever. And the second one is the, the rebel uh, terrorist Like the people. communist party yes. people. Yeah. They're in a basement and it's the same exact camera movements. It's the same sitting arrangement, but I, it's different people. I loved that. Like when like and the communist leader was like arguing over like yes. how much like share he, how much so profit share he got. they have the same business conversation that they're having, but for their own thing. And then the same exact thing happens. And it's the business people talking about murdering people. And I was like, Yes, that's how they do it. Like it's a it is so anti-corporation. It is so anti-establishment. It is so like it just it feel like it's a movie that would never get made now. Yeah. Because it like predicts everything that's going to come to pass like in the next couple of years yeah. as entertainment and as corporate America evolve. It's so wise and it does so and it roots and like does all these parallels like it roots it in kind of over the top satire like all the stuff with the communist party like i love like when like the corporate lawyers in the communist party's basement like negotiating Mm -hmm. like if i was as i was watching this this is so genius because every single actor in that movie is doing something different and incredible in that one scene especially because one guy who's like like shaking and dripping with sweat (laughs) and there's this one lady who's like stone cold like she's like she's just here for business and there's this one guy who's like annoyed and like over the situation who is like trying to just negotiate and then like some of the communists are like really on edge and then like one of the communist guys who you would expect like who's like shown in the movie to be violent is like very serious man's like well no hold on like i get 12 percent of this you know yeah every (laughs) single actor in that scene is so keyed in Mm. to like the the satirical mindset of the movie and it like it's such a great like (laughs) representation of what the whole movie's trying to say yeah uh it's i yeah and there's Um, so many good little jokes yes to like carry you from monologue to monologue that's really what it felt like Like, we were being carried from monologue to monologue and just even like the little um he says he speaks to god in his dream and he turns in this modern day prophet and uh he's like on TV, he's like, well, you might be thinking, like, why why am I the chosen one? And he's like, and God said, because you're on TV. Yes. And then the guy at the end who's giving the monologue says the same thing. And why he's like, me? he's like, why me? Because you're on TV. <laughs> I know. And that so- guy like says, like, you may think you've heard the voice of God, Mr. Beale, but I am the voice of God. Or it's like, but, he's, but I'm not God. I'm corporate America. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's, oh. it's like, it's funny. It's, it's so really funny. funny. Yeah. I know. Like the movie's like, it's like a black comedy. It's a satire. Yeah. As much as it plays like a drama, like it's so absurd and ridiculous. Yeah. Like the way that it plays with extreme politics as <laughs> if it's nothing. 
and like for the fact that this came out in 1976 like think about the political atmosphere at the time like like immediately after nixon like it's it's so <laughs> it's just it's so crazy. genius crazy. um i yeah i'm I, as i was watching this movie for i think the third time this was the third time i'd seen mm-hmm. it my most recent watch i i was having i was like watching it and like trying to remember why i loved this so much the first couple times i watched it and as i was watching i was like i think this movie is pretty perfect but i just didn't have like for whatever reason my most recent watch it just didn't have like that same energy that i felt but like now that i'm having this conversation and talking about all the reasons why i love it's like no this is one of my favorite movies ever even like even if i don't agree with everything in the movie that it's trying to say Mm. the fact that it says it so well so cleverly so hilariously like i just think it's such a it's so perfectly done and it's so well acted. It's so like everything is just so keyed into what the movie's trying to say. I, I yeah. And like the, when it all comes together, I think the three standout scenes are, um, well, I mean, there's like his original model, like I'm mad. I'm mad as I'll get out. I'm not going to yeah. take it anymore. <laughs> just to avoid swear on the pot. Um, but like that scene's classic, but the, the scene where the communists and the, network lawyers are negotiating in the basement yeah the scene where the corporate america guy is giving his monologue to howard Mm -hmm. and the scene with the business people at the end like those like show just like the lengths that people will go to for money for success motivated out of greed more than anything else Mm -hmm. like it and about you know the like (laughs) the like not criminalization but the you know um the way that it like tries to demotivate independent thought at the hands yeah. of corporate America, or at least that's what the screenwriter Patty Chayefsky thinks is going to happen. <laughs> In so many ways, he was right. And I think the, as, as slow as it was because it was old and the monologues were a little much for me, I like had to maybe skip through one or two of them. I was like, Oh my gosh, they're still just talking. Um, I do think it built very, very well. It, it started off maybe too slow. Mm-hmm. It, it was pretty chill. It was like, they're just trying to, I mean, the, the opening scene is very intense, but right after that, it's a lot of business jargon. Yeah. It's a lot of office spaces. There's nothing particularly pretty about it, which like is the point, but it was like hard to stay focused for me for a lot of it. So I think that was the downfall is, is it could have been much faster. It was, um, a little it was very repetitive like it made some really good points but it made them 10 times at least like and it was funny and like the really absurd ones were great but i think there's like a middle portion of the movie before it got really insane mm. that was just like can we move on a little fast <laughs> there's so much like non-interesting things happening but, but overall you would say you liked it overall i really, really liked it i think i gave it three and a half stars um i'm i could maybe bump it up to a four i think yeah. i would have to watch it in one sitting to really get it yeah that's um fair. it's a five star for me yeah. i just i that's the thing is like even if it isn't like a movie that i have necessarily as personal a love for or connection to like just looking at how even like i don't know if i would still say it's top five for me is that this most recent watch just because yeah. You know, like when I think about like my favorite movies, I don't know if it, like I still have that same love for it, but I still think it's like a, a masterpiece that is so well done yeah. in every way. And it's like something that I just get so jazzed talking about. Like it's what <laughs> movies, it's what's so good about movies. I just yeah. love it. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to talk about your name. So Ooh. stick around. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the movie Morgan had assigned to me, which is Ooh. your name. So you want to first explain uh, what you love so much about your name? Yes. I love your name. I think it's in my top five. It might be like number six right now. Um, but you mentioned it on our top five pod. Yes, it yeah. was on my top five at least a year ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think it is still there. Um, it is amazing. It's made by Makoto Shinkai. Um, he makes many animated Japanese films. He, I think, is a genius. I have been 
watching all of his old films. I have not gotten to all of them yet. And um, it just made me appreciate Renee more. Um, I love the beauty. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the meaning behind it. I love the music. I love every single thing about it. I think it is one of the most perfect movies, especially for me. I feel like it was curated specifically to me. Um, yeah, I love this movie. It's like, it's simple, but it's not, and it's beautiful. And yeah, that's, it's just perfect. You just, I mean, we got to get into it to like, yeah. Uh, I, like you said, um, anime has never really been my thing. I've tried on multiple occasions and like, (laughs) just for whatever reason, I've never really been able to connect with any anime Mm -hmm. um, with maybe spirited away being the exception. Uh, And your name hit so hard with me. Um, (laughs) I was saying off mic, I'll say it now. Like, I don't know, but everyone listening to this, I know has felt that feeling where you just, you have watched an incredible movie and you just, you just leave on this high. And I don't know when the last time I had just like that high of an incredible movie was, but mm-hmm. before your name, but your name was it. Yeah. Um, maybe when I watched Silence for the first time earlier this year, <laughs> um, like your name was exceptional in pretty much every way. I I thought like not only was it stunningly beautiful absolutely gorgeous sumptuous animation Mm. like the colors and the designs of all of the characters were so intelligent and the landscapes and the set pieces were so detailed and beautiful and the story was incredibly compelling you're right i freaking love a (laughs) non-linear story i don't know why but every movie with a non-linear story i just i eat that up um and it had that going for it uh it had a really sweet cute romance um i am a sucker for romantic movies (laughs) um i i love especially a good romance (laughs) um you know uh i'm talking like julia styles and heath ledger and 10 things i hate about you i love um but uh yeah like uh really share a nicholas cage and moonstruck uh, Mm. would be like like just like a just like good romantic movies um and your name is one of those like the the love story is is really sweet and earnest and genuine and compelling and heartbreaking oh yeah the characters are the two protagonists at least mitsuha and taki Mm -hmm. right mitsuha yes yeah are super well developed there's a lot that's really developed just through montage and just through like details i would say it's like communicated through acting but it's it's really more communicated just through visual storytelling like Mm -hmm. you learn so much about each of these characters not from exposition but from the way that they're drawn the way their houses are drawn their small interactions with their parents and their siblings uh and the character development they're able to do in a really short amount of time is really impressive. Uh, the voice acting phenomenal. Like I, I don't know when, like, yeah, probably when I watched silence earlier this year, like, um, <laughs> but this is like, but in, in several months, your name was the first movie that I watched where I was like, I have like discovered one of my new favorite movies. Man, I can't and... wait for you to watch it a second time. <laughs> Because with it being non-linear, this is definitely why it was in my top five. Is like Fight Club, this movie, like the non-linear that you watch again and it's better the second time. Like you get that feeling the first time and then you watch it again and then you watch it the third time. I have this theory that I'm forming, maybe I'll do a podcast about it one day, that Makoto Shinkai's films on the third watch are perfection. Like oh, it takes three watches that's so to niche, fully... I love it. <laughs> oh man, because we watched his other films... Um, leading up to his new one that just came out, Suzume. And we watched Weathering With You, which is the one in between Suzume and Your Name. And it was the third time I was watching it. And I like, it like clicked. I was like, I get it now. So you need to have that experience with Your Name. You need to watch it a few more times. I can do that. And it'll keep getting better. (laughs) Well, there's already thing is like, now like, oh, I want to watch Your Name with my girlfriend. Like I want her, I want to watch Your Name with my brother. And like, I want him to like, (laughs) I I, like, I have to show everyone this movie. Like it, it just, it spoke to me so much more than i was expecting Mm -hmm. and i think maybe my aversion to anime and like again like i've seen 
um, I've seen a few Miyazaki films and like just never really hit. I've watched, I've tried to watch several different anime series. And the only one that ever really grabbed my attention was Death Note. And even then, like, you know, I, I watched one season of it and then I don't think I finished it. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just, I don't know what it is. It's like no, nothing's ever really grabbed me yeah. the way your name did. Uh, but I just like, I think the pacing was excellent. I think the story was so great the mystery elements mm-hmm. when that like reveal happened in the second act that Ugh. shifted the whole movie yeah like awesome plot twist so I don't, are good. we are we gonna spoil your name we, we spoil oh, no, oh yeah let me give let me give a plot rundown okay, yeah. <laughs> we've just been like i've just been giving yeah. a bunch of adjectives about the movie everyone listening's like what is this actually about your um, name is a romance um body swap which people like hate that word. It's like a good one. It's, <laughs> it's the only good Friday. one. <laughs> it's not as good as Freaky Friday. <laughs> um, it is a high school aged girl in the countryside of Japan. She. Um, Mitsuha. Yes, Mitsuha. She is just living her life. She dreams of being in Tokyo. And then um, parallel to her story, we have a high school aged boy who lives in Tokyo and he like is going to school a little bit of a nerd little yeah he works at a restaurant wants to be an architect um and they fall asleep and they wake up in each other's bodies randomly and they have to live throughout their day and probably the first you don't get that reveal until pretty pretty well into the movie yeah um and they're just like living in their lives, seeing the consequences of what happened the day before when they weren't themselves. And then thinking that the rest is a dream. They don't remember it when they wake up. They slowly start to learn what's happening. They leave messages for each other. So they're building this relationship without ever having talked to each other. They've seen each other, but only through their their literal eyes and yeah. their body. Um, like, cause so, they live in different parts of the country. Yeah. And they, uh, are you know they're like high schoolers i think like a lot of anime a lot of every entertainment doesn't treat high schoolers like high schoolers and i think this one does a really good job of it like they're they have the perfect amount of like little mess ups and and like awkwardness and like you know the the embarrassing stuff that comes with growing up is not shied away from (laughs) yes um so I guess I just kind of have to spoil it to explain the pot more. Yeah. So if you haven't seen your name and you don't want it spoiled for you, go watch it. Go watch it. Come back. Come back and finish this. Pause episode. right now. Go. Is it available on a streaming service for free? I don't um, think so. Go, go buy it. Buy your he name. He deserves on your iTunes, money for this movie. <laughs> and then come back to minute whatever in the yes. podcast. <laughs> um, because it's it's seriously it's incredible. Yes. So they're switching bodies. They slowly start to learn. And um, I don't even know where to start. It does it in such a long way. They learn the whole time. There's this foreshadowing of a meteor. This is like the big plot point. Like a meteor like is we, coming. We see which, it on the news and yes. in, in Mitsuha's uh, story. Yes. So they're switching bodies. They're just learning. They're whatever. They're being each other. And then at some point it comes into... Uh, like one day like they just stop switching bodies yes and taki doesn't know why yes and then we follow taki's story for a little while after they stop switching bodies Mm -hmm. and the meteor is coming in like a few days and it focuses on mitsuha's story the meteor comes it crashes into where she is living i can't even explain it basically we learn (laughs) from the movie that Mitsuha and Taki have been doing this body swap, but Mitsuha is three years in yeah. the past from Taki. So like, yes, it's three years in the past. So she's, you know, like 16 or 17 when Taki's actually like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. at this time. And she's going into the future and he's going into the past yes, as they do their yes. body swap. And it's never, the body swap's never really explained. It's just kind of like, oh, this is just like a thing that happens to the women in Mitsuha's family yes. and trying to deal with it. Um, but so like, then it kind of becomes a race against time as Taki is now trying to go back into the past to stop um, Mitsuha and all of her village from dying in the meteor. 
Yes. And so Taki and Mitsuha are now working together in the past to get Mitsuha's village evacuated from the meteor's impact. And so it like goes from being like this cute body swap movie to this like race against time action thriller yep. about trying to con- like this like Mitsuha and her friends. At one point it's Taki Mitsuha's body uh, and then it switches back to Mitsuha and Mitsuha's body. Yeah. And they're trying to like, they pull off this like heist to get the village to escape from the meteor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like this race against time and it's exciting yes. and it's, it's really gripping. And all along, Mitsuha and Taki are like have have fallen in love and they're trying to remember each other. Yeah. But because you know every time the body swap ends, it kind of fades away. It's like a dream. Like it fades away right after it happens. And so they're they're fighting not only to save Mitsuha and her village, but also to remember who each other are mm-hmm. when they wake up. And so you have these two really compelling things going on because at this point I felt at least the movie had really done the work to get you invested in them as a romantic couple. And had a lot of really sweet moments and shown like throughout their character growth in the movie, why these two could really care for each other and why they could work in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that was, I think I explained it. Yeah. It's so hard to explain because it's so out of order, but like not. And yeah. Anyways, there's also this, um, like not a subplot, but kind of, of the grandmother and the shrine and presumably the reason why they can body swap to save this thing from happening has happened many times in her family and they go to the shrine and they have this drink that is like half of them and that's uh-huh. what kind of yeah causes all of it to happen and it's not only like romance it's a it's this longing for the romance that they yeah. cannot remember it's also about time Mm -hmm. and where you're putting your time and how important it is and how things that are connected are going to come together eventually and it just very carefully weaves together every single story element for like three heartbreaking giant points in the end and every single one of them hit every single time i watch this movie the score in this movie was just like bonkers good music is so good yeah Um, the animation was beautiful like this everything about this movie from the way that from the the story is so good and the way it unfolds is so good mm -hmm. um yeah i was like genuinely completely blown away yeah and like just like i like i left i left ellie's apartment (laughs) on a massive high yeah and i think what really sells it, um, which I also said the network, because this was just one of my favorite things, is the parallels mm. of their lives, this shrine and the bracelets yeah. and time and the past and the future and the romance uh-huh. and the longing. There's so many that are little bitty things in the beginning that come back in the end Yeah, that just like the bracelets is like a huge one. It's yeah. a pretty obvious one, but it's a really good one. They're they're braiding these bracelets into all these different designs. They're very complex. And the grandma has this whole spiel when they're walking to the shrine in the mountain about like time is musubi and this is musubi and fate is musubi and the bracelets are musubi. And like she says it a hundred times and it's, it's these strings. And then you find out later in the movie that when she did meet Taki three years ago for Taki yeah. and he did not know her, but she knew him at the time. She gave him this bracelet, which went through the test of time. He kept it the three years. It comes back the three years later and he still has it. And mm-hmm. it's like they use so many visuals of the red string, which is like mm-hmm. the red string of fate. They were meant to be together. They were meant to stand the test of time, no matter what the time difference is, no matter what's happening in that time. And they use that red string and it connects them in all the montage stuff. And then the bracelet connects them and it has a red string in it. And it is just... It's so, so good. So many parallels. It's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. It's also just beautiful like you can just google the movie and look at the images and it is very it's very photorealistic anime which i 
sometimes don't like because I'm like, I'll be different. You have the opportunity because your animation, like get out there. But he does it in a way with all of his films that are so it is photorealistic in a way. Um, but it also is stylized in the color and it really sells it. And um, he loves a montage and I love a montage and the music that so Rad Wimps makes the music for his like two or three of his films they're on the Rad Wimps um for like two or three of his films they did so good and the like um, theme song for the movie yeah and it like helps the montages so much that it's not it their songs have the lyrics and they're poppy and then they go into like the piano and it's just such a diverse musical talent going into the songs and then the montages on top of that that like switch the story from each timeline to another is beautiful i love it so good oh my gosh (laughs) yeah uh i don't know what else i would have to say about your name honestly i just like the ending was oh like uh, to me the weakest part was the ending because it like was mm. it it felt like it dragged for for a while but then whatever you had said like because it's like the distant future mitsuha mm-hmm. and her village have all been spared and now she's moved to tokyo and she and taki like yep. almost run into each other <laughs> so like many times. five or six times <laughs> so many times and like the movie goes on and, and they're both like i just feel like i'm like waiting like I'm, I'm like longing for something and i can't figure out what i'm longing for mm-hmm. and like they both like know that they have like some's like deep down there's some sort of feeling or attachment to each other and they can't figure out what it is yeah and they like almost run into each other and they almost run into each other and i was just like oh like they're they're gonna have to run into each other at some point like why are you dragging this out so long yeah but then you said like something about how that was part of the theme of the movie right yeah i do think the the one thing it does lack in is the timing of it i think there are a lot of parts of the movie that do drag on yeah and like Um, watching it for the first time as you're kind of trying to figure the story out i feel like that isn't something i noticed as much yeah except in the ending like and upon reflection i'm like that could have been tighter maybe Mm -hmm. but the the scene specifically when um after mitsuha and taki stop switching um places and it's just taki's story and he's going to find her her old village that went on for a while it was very long um that's exactly what i was thinking when you said that and like sometimes i watch it and i've seen this movie sometimes i watch it and i'm like i feel every moment of it i'm like he's trying and he's going through these trials and he can't quite remember but he almost can and i like really feel it and then sometimes i watch it and i'm like oh my gosh just get there just already. Get there this already. is way too long. Yeah. Um, so I think that is the one thing it, it fails in. Um, but the movie is, yeah, like over two hours, right? Or is yeah, like right, at, right two at, hours, at two hours, I think. Which network was also right at two hours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not short, not super long. But yeah. Definitely not necessarily short either. Yeah. Although to me, like two hours is like typically like a great runtime for a movie. Yeah. Like longer than two hours, you got to really justify. You got to start justifying yourself <laughs> to be like, you know, two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Did um, you did you cry when you watched this movie? I did not cry. Are you a movie crier at all? Um, <laughs> I cried during Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Shout out oh last week's podcast. God. Um, <laughs> uh, not usually. No. Um, there there are really very few movies that made me cry. Uh, I know I cried watching Coco. Oh, I'm wow. a human. Yeah. Um, and uh when he sings for that song at the end she remembers I remember. um <laughs> anyways uh but not not typically and this movie while it was very sweet and very earnest i i don't think it, i did not make me cry maybe yeah. upon a rewatch this movie makes me cr- it's the only movie that makes me ball my eyes out really? every single time i've watched wow. it i've cried and it's that one scene you know what it is there they meet on this rock with the sunset at twilight which is also like a theme of the movie the supernatural the whatever very supernatural yeah and they're trying to remember each other and they have this longing and they write on their hands and then they switch back and the reveal i don't even want to say it is because i know someone's listening to this and hasn't watched the movie the reveal of it just like gets me that was 
single time. That was Every the most. Time. That was like the emotional apex of the movie for sure, and I yeah. and I definitely reacted like viscerally to it. Yeah. But I like it didn't it didn't hit me. But maybe now that I like know going into it, like mm. it would change if I watch it a second time. <laughs> um, yo, um, yeah. it's very character heavy. Yeah, and that's what I appreciated about it so much. Like I was yeah. mentioning, I think that's why it's so hard to like, explain. Like the plot is all over the place but like it makes sense but it makes sense because i think what your name does so well like all, like so many of the movie like movies that i love like guardians of the galaxy is like mm -hmm. it, it the characters and their actions the characters are so well developed and their actions push the story forward yeah like it's not like a plot happens and characters are being drugged along it's like what the characters do impacts the direction the story takes and when you have two characters that are as thoughtfully developed as mm -hmm. mitsuha and taki like it, it's so easy to get invested and to follow along because oh, yeah. they're so well done as characters. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's you, you fall for them, like, and then you and you buy into their love story as improbable as it is. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah, oh man, yeah, 10 out of 10. Your name, any last thoughts, <laughs> network or your name? Uh, two, what are the parallels between both of these movies? These are they're two very different, very movies. different movies. Yeah, one is like about. You know the danger of greed and corruption and one is about the you know selflessness of love and giving yeah. yourself up for for you know romance um so very different movies but <laughs> both i think excel in what they're trying to say mm. one is definitely much more emotional uh your name is much more emotional and oh, i think yeah. because of that your name probably has the potential to appeal to a lot more people network is dark and satirical and it is genius but it yeah. is definitely not as heartfelt as your name it is like you will appreciate <laughs> network more than you will probably love network which i think i've realized i do whereas you will appreciate your name and love your name if you can get on its wavelength yeah um i highly recommend do a movie swap with somebody find somebody yeah. ask them their favorite movie and just go i do it all the time that's my favorite thing to do is like you're talking about movies, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, actually, go watch it. And if someone actually goes and watch a movie that I recommend and then I watch the one that they recommend, it's like immediate. Yeah. Uh, since Mariana and I have started dating, we've mm -hmm. been doing that. Like yeah. I've been we've been watching <laughs> like core Joshua movies and then core Mariana movies and we're swapping. Yep. Um, and it's been so much fun. Like, yeah. When me like... and Jacob first started dating, I made a playlist and it was like movies I need to show Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just, but it's, it's so it's fun like having like one for each other like she's like you haven't seen yeah. the princess diaries we're watching them yeah diaries. I'm like, okay you haven't seen parasite well we're gonna go watch parasite yeah. oh. and no matter how different they are it like it makes a connection yeah. it's somehow it's movies just do that art does that just oh, sharing art with people there it is oh don't let your art get taken over by corporate america yeah <laughs> and also love is important and fate and a lot Red of cute, string. cute things <laughs> yeah what is i think there's a red string if you look at your wrist right now you see a red string telling you to rate us five stars yeah and to follow us on instagram <laughs> at the no notes podcast and we're on apple podcast now if you're listening to us there Ooh. big shout out um <laughs> that, that's all Thanks this was really fun. It was really fun. This was good. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Farewell.